And the next step is, okay, the East is there for the taking. Go do it. Go on the road in Nayland Stadium. It's been a house of horrors for Georgia. And just take care of business. The Dogs take their talents up to Knoxville this Saturday to face off against a one-loss Vols team. It feels like Tennessee should have a worse record than they do, right? But in the same breath, the orange-clad blue-tick hounds to the north could just as easily be undefeated, if not for suffering through an inexplicable loss to Florida on a Hail Mary just a couple weeks back. If Georgia comes out flat on Saturday, they could easily be handed their first loss of the season. But it feels like UT is ripe for the taking, mainly because of their coach, Butch Jones. He seems to be coming more and more unhinged as the weeks of the calendar click by. So it seems Georgia should come away with victory number five. We'll see. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 102 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm here today with my co-host... Yes, I said that in singular fashion. It's just myself and Tony Waller on this episode. Our other co-host, the man with the gift of pontification, Will Leach, is on assignment in Philly this week. We decided to send him up there to file reports in the Eagles and Phillies because of all that Nike money we're getting from this podcast. All kidding aside, he'll be back next week, so our show will also be back to full strength. On this episode, Tony and I break down Georgia's trip up to Knoxville. We share our opinions on what the offense and defense needs to do in order to secure a victory and stay undefeated. Also addressed later in this episode is the elephant in the room, whether or not Jake Fromm remains the starter when Jacob Beeson is proclaimed fit to return from his injury. Tony and I have differentiating takes differentiating i think that's a word we're gonna go with that we have different takes how about that on the dilemma that kirby must face it's a good problem to have but man will it cause some debate amongst fans and writers so let's get started on this episode thanks for tuning us in and here we go how's the crossfit going crossfit is good i've been um i've been doing it for two months i just hit my Two month uh, anniversary, and uh, you, get a, you, you get, see you the, get a gold watch or like a rombo thing. What do you get? No, I get a I get a uh, an invoice to pay for my next month. <laughs> but but uh, the the results the results are amazing. I mean, it is just uh, I mean I I don't know what to say. I've never been in this kind of shape in my life. I actually enjoy working out now. Um, I'm stronger than ever. And uh, really enjoy the camaraderie that CrossFit has. Now, I'm not going to preach and try to convert people like uh, you see on the, the Internet. But, you know, I've, I'm thoroughly enjoying it despite a couple of injuries uh, from just poor form. I'm making it pretty good. So did, were, did you hurt yourself picking up a Volkswagen? What, how did you hurt yourself? Uh, doing a snatch. <laughs> what? <laughs> Giggle all you want. No, like a power clean or a snatch. You know, you got to snatch the bar from the the floor. And I didn't use my legs. I got a little bit lazy, and I just pulled with my upper body, and I tweaked something in my neck. But uh, but I'm all right. A little ibuprofen that uh, is taking care of it. You hear something funny? Ask that question. First thing out of Kristen's mouth was, he was doing a snatch, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But that, that's one of the that's one of the key parts. But you know, people didn't tune into this uh, podcast to hear about my CrossFit. If you want to, you can at me and ask me questions about that on uh, on Twitter. But uh, but yeah. So Tony, what have you been up to lately? And we don't have Will today. Will is this, for some reason he planted himself for a week in Philadelphia, watching a bunch of uh, horrible football games. Well, he actually what he did is he uh, because he's really good at his job. He taught sports on earth to let him cover. A Phillies game, I'm sorry, uh, an Eagles game, happened to be, it was the same time the Cardinals were in Philadelphia. So 
Um, I think he's back. He's going to be at the Atlanta United match tomorrow, and then he goes up to Illinois next uh, at the end of the week to see Illinois face the mighty um, Huskers of Nebraska. So is that a Friday night game? You know, I'm 100% convinced it could be. Yeah, I think I think the Friday night game this week is Southern Cal at Washington State. Maybe it's a really bizarre. Okay. It's a bizarrely good game for Friday night. Well, if you had said Washington, I would have been a little bit shocked. But when you put the state in there, that made sense that Washington State would play on a Friday night. And, you know, USC's been doing that in the past. They, they've lost on a couple of Thursday and Friday night games, and they've been highly ranked. So I would say look out for Mike Leach that night. Well, Washington State's legit. They, um, they've been ringing up some they, – they managed to avoid their early season uh, FCS loss. Um, and so far they, they are – you know, they're looking like they could make some noise. I still don't think they're good enough to, you know, win the Pac-12, but they have they've looked pretty good. Well, you know, Washington, the Huskies, and USC are on opposite sides of the division, and they don't play this year, similar to, you know, how Georgia and Alabama don't play this year. So they could have legitimately two undefeated teams playing in the Pac-12 championship, just like we could. Fingers crossed. We're not – we're not uh, – I guess, well, let it, we're allowed to hope a little bit uh, here. So maybe an undefeated SEC championship game, an undefeated Pac-12 championship game. Well, right now I'll just take eight one-point wins. Uh, like I said on their Sunday night podcast, it won't be good for my heart, but I'll take it. Well, and, you know, it is the wrong week to start looking ahead because this is Tennessee, Georgia, and the past two years have been crushingly heartbreaking. I'm not trying to be, bring up bad memories. I'm just bringing up facts. The 2015 game, I remember exactly where I was. I was at Will's 40th birthday when Reggie Davis had the drop pass from Grayson Lambert. Perfect pass to tie the game. And then last year, I was at Grayton Beach watching it with five or six of my friends. We weren't even paying attention to really what happened. We were still outside running around and and yelling and then had to be brought back down to earth. It was just amazingly cruel. And then I had that conversation with myself about why am I an Atlanta sports fan, you know, and started going through <laughs> going through all the disappointments. And I was repeating it to all my friends, and they were telling me, like, hey, we've heard that before. But, uh, but yeah, so now is not the time to look ahead. Yeah, which is which you were cool with from, like, mid-October till January or early Absolutely. February. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing, I, and I keep going over in my head about this game, is that um, – you know, we'll jump right into what Tennessee has looked like um, – Tennessee has looked like a team that is poorly coached. I think it's safe to say that we can, and we'll probably talk a little bit about Burt um, here in a little bit in the hot seat he's on, but man, the pucker factor is really high on Rocky Top. You could not get a straight pin up Butch Jones' tail with a sledgehammer right now. He is just so tight. He, you know, he went on this diatribe about the media over Shy Tuttle's injury because Somebody in the media asked a question, which was a legit question. The shot Tuttle get his his eye socket broken because he got in a fight with a teammate, and then instead of answering the question, you know, he could have said yes, he could have said no, he could have said we don't discuss injuries. He went on this like a four minute monologue about the media and reality TV and just a really Butch Jones thing, and he is they're not in a good place, and it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. You know, it, there was a lot of shot and Friday uh, with. Uh, with the Florida touchdown pass at the end of that game uh, two weeks ago, and you, but you can't help but to think, okay, these are the kinds of games where 
the past four or five years where Georgia has slipped up. And you know, you know, Will and I talked about this Sunday night, and I'll go back to it. Each step of the way this season, Georgia's coaching staff and Georgia's team has passed the eyeball test when, to things we want to. You know, if a tough but winnable game to kick the season off at App State, a tough national road game at Notre Dame, taking care of business against a patty cake and Samford, and then handling an SEC West team that came in flying high after a big win in the West. And the next step is, okay, the East is there for the taking. Go do it. Go on the road in Nayland Stadium. It's been a house of horrors for Georgia. And just take care of business. We're so easy to forget the fact that Georgia had won five in a row before Tennessee kind of lucked up and won the last two. And, you know, I mean, you call it what, what you will, but, I mean, the Nick Chubb injury in 2015 and then the crazy ending to uh, last season, uh, you know, Georgia should have the confidence. I, I know it's just one of those things that you just kind of don't want to look ahead, and I keep bringing that up, but you know, Georgia should win the game on Saturday and should win it kind of like maybe how they did against Mississippi State. But this is, it's just that S, X factor of Neyland Stadium. I mean, I already read that the Vols are planning to check her out, Neyland. My first question would be, well, how are they going to do that if they had the attendance like they did last week against UMass? I mean, there was nobody in that stadium. They're going to wear the smoky grays. They're probably going to have the trash can, who knows, mop buckets. I don't know what kind of motivational tactics they're going to use. But I think you, you nailed it when you talked about how Butch Jones, her, his nerves are fried. He is on the fritz, and all it's going to take is a couple bad calls or some bad coaching decisions, and that's, this thing could unravel. It could be, it could be entirely comical to watch happen. I really hope that's what happens, but, uh, but I am going to be cautious about it. Well, Butch Jones, to me, has always looked like Biff Tannen's drunk older brother. You know, he always just looks like he's around the edge, like he, he – I mean – he always has this, this look of grim determination uh, across between that and he ate some bad Sonic earlier in the day. And I think you're right. I mean, we look, on paper, and you know, of course the game's not played on paper, Georgia's defense versus that offense, it could get really ugly if Georgia's defense plays to what we have seen the past few weeks. Their defensive line is still really good. Um, you know, they... Uh, yeah, I don't know how they messed around and let UMass score any points, but they did. If, if UMass can score 13 points, Indiana State can score seven. Uh, Florida's offense can score 26. I feel really good about our running game and the ability for Georgia to figure out a way to score, you know, plenty of points to beat Tennessee. To me, the real question is: is how does this team react? How does Georgia react when? Um, at some point, we end up doing something that we haven't done yet, which is have the big mental mistake at a key point in the game, uh, because it's coming. We know it's coming. I mean, you know, last week we saw across the board very good teams struggle. Penn State had to have a miracle touchdown at the end to beat Iowa. The, the Southern Cal California game was tight in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma, um, you know, messed around with Baylor. TCU went and smoked Oklahoma State. And these were all teams. And I think it would turn out we'll find out that the TCU is actually a really good football team. We know I was a pretty good football team. But the fact remains that even the teams that have the best seasons, the best teams, don't just look dominating over every opponent through a 12-game season. And at some point, we're going to have a game where things don't work exactly the way they're supposed to, or the way you practice them, or how the coaches draw it up. And being able to respond to that adversity and figure out a way to win a ball game is uh, it's a hallmark, uh, again, a hallmark of a team that's going places. 
And if that's this week, I hope we're able to do that. Remember, Jake Fromm's only made one road start in his career, and it was basically like a half-filled stadium for Georgia fans because there were 40,000 of them there. It was kind of like how Jacksonville is. So despite all the the comical uh, mentions about the Tennessee fans not showing up against UMass, they're going to be there. They're going to have you know 100,000 people crammed in an 85,000-seat stadium, and they're going to be loud. <laughs> And they're going to be checkered out. And they're going to be wearing their smoky grays. I've already seen that they're going to wear smoky. So they're, they're trying every emotional ploy to get this team back on even footing. And let's not forget, they've only lost one game. And it was because of a fluke Hail Mary at the end of the game. This team could easily be undefeated despite the nervous breakdown that Butch Jones seems to be having. Do I think the nervous breakdown Butch Jones seems to be having? Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. You know, when you sit down you sit and look at – you know, matchups across the board. You know, you look at the quarterback play. Uh, you know, I, we still know if Eason's going to play. Certainly think he'll be ready to play, whether he plays or they, they switch in and out, whether Fromm starts. I don't think, personally, it doesn't matter to me. I, I, you, I think, you know, my, my point now is for the first time in a long time, I have felt that um, I'm cool with whatever decision the coaching staff makes. They're making. They seem to be making all the right calls right now, and I'm willing to just ride that right now. Um, you know, Dormany for Tennessee has looked serviceable. I mean, he hasn't put them in a position to lose ball games. Um, the the real big factor right now is, is coaching. You know, John Kelly is the biggest offensive weapon for Tennessee, and that is uh, and they and by a long shot, biggest offensive weapon for Tennessee. You know, they have they have gone long stretch of the game where it feels like they're just out thinking themselves and trying to get too cute and not giving him the ball enough. That's also a tough thing when you look at Georgia's front seven, or the whole defense for that matter. You know, the the concern last week with Mississippi State is how much are they going to be able to run the ball against Georgia? Uh, well, we saw that they weren't able to do that much at all. And Tennessee gets in a situation where you're putting the game in Dormy's hands. I'm just think you're looking at a lot of uh, opportunities for uh, the defensive backs to make a difference in the ballgame. So what do you think about um, Georgia's offense? I mean, they they did all right last week, scoring four touchdowns and a, and a field goal. But the receivers, in my opinion, it seems like Godwin is the only real go-to guy. And we've got all these horses uh, on the field. And, you know, the recruiting that we had won last year with all the five stars coming in. But yet it doesn't seem like that there has been a receiver besides Godwin step up. And, that's one thing that concerns me. If the offense goes stale, it, yeah, Nauta caught a touchdown pass last week. We haven't seen Sony really in the slot at all. We haven't seen Crumpton do anything to, uh, to spark us thinking like, hey, is that Isaiah McKenzie out there wearing number 16? I've seen Crumpton out there. Jason Stanley still hasn't registered really anything. He's a great blocker, but he, he, had, he threw a great block on Nick Chubb's uh, touchdown uh, run last week. But uh, I saw Jackson Harris catch last week. Uh, Charlie Warner hasn't really done much. So it just seems like there's a lot out there. I'm just throwing up a question here to just, and this is a good thing because I'm just trying to, I'm kind of grasping at straws a little bit here for the Georgia offense and the game plan. If it does go wrong and Godwin's out or has a, has a rough day, where do you think that the offense goes if it doesn't revolve around running the ball? Well, if we get in a situation where we just have to throw, I think you're going to see um, Cheney get back to the, Kind of what we saw the dink and dunk and hurry up a little bit against App State. Um, you know, the couple things that worked really well against Mississippi State, uh, and, and their 
defensive front is similar to Tennessee's in that they're anchored by a couple studs, um, and, but you know they're also backed up by some defensive backs. They've had some injuries in their defensive backfield, but they are still backed up by some defensive backs that you like your chances to get one on one with someone like Nada or um, or even you know Hardman who can blaze past somebody. But you know that touchdown pass to Nada uh, or Nada, however 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 we're saying this name this week, and by, <laughs> yeah. by we I mean I. Um, you know we also had a wheel route out open out on the left side, and that was just a really well designed football play. Um, I'm not. I could I could be wrong about this. I don't think we're facing a situation that we faced two years ago with Grayson Lambert where the playbook is so limited based on what Lambert can do. It's not that Lambert didn't know the playbook. I have every matter of fact, I have every reason to believe that now uh, that that Lambert could teach the playbook. Uh, but he just you know he didn't have the same zip on the ball. He couldn't really throw that back shoulder pass. I think Fromm can throw that. He certainly couldn't go deep very much. We've seen Fromm be able to do that. You know we get in a situation where we have to throw the ball though. If Easton is well, that may be well, well, maybe may where we see him come in. Uh, you know, we get we get the ball back. Let's say we get in a situation where we get the ball back with a minute or less in the first half. Um, and you get 65 yards to go. That wouldn't surprise me in the least if we see Easton step in and just wing the ball down the field. Now, really, I'm, I'm not getting in the psychology of from versus Easton. Um, I think there'll be plenty of time for that conversation. Uh, after this week, but eh, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if the coaches think he can go, let him get out there and knock the rust off in a game situation, uh, even if Fromm starts. So you're you're thinking that that Easton is healthy enough to get in there and take a couple snaps? When he got hurt, everybody said this is a three to four week injury, right? So we're at week four. Um, he's been practicing, fully practicing. He practiced with second team this week. You know, the reports are he's. He's doing everything they're asking him to do. He's running. He's cutting. He's putting weight on it. I still think, to me, the road game's not the right time. I'm not in practice. But, you know, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Especially, look, look, we get up, and Easton is uh, Easton's cleared to play. Uh, I think yeah, I think Easton gets some a couple of series, if nothing else, to knock the rust off. So what happens against Vanderbilt or after the off week and then we got the Florida game running in there? I mean, how do you think Kirby handles this thing? Because if, in my opinion, I don't think you pull from for Eastern. I know that you're so you're not supposed to lose your starting job to injury. That's kind of the old adage in football. But how could you mess up the, the mojo of this team if we keep going the way we are? It's almost like the movie The Program back in the day when the junior uh, quarterback that was kind of usurped by the younger guy and then you had the the fullback who didn't want to block. Did anybody see that movie? The James yeah. Conn, the yeah, program? You, uh, that was, that? Yeah. It, was, it was you and I and like three friends of mine from high school. Uh, <laughs> you know, they shot it at williams Rice Stadium. Oh, that um, explains why it was terrible. It was an okay movie. Back, at, back in the 90s, it was a good movie. You know, I just wonder, like, what's the psychology? I mean, if I'm the coach... I keep from it until I mean you can't you can't start doing the the dueling quarterbacks. That's like the that's like the death nail to a the the chemistry of a football team, isn't it? Well, you know, like I'm gonna avoid the question by answering the same way I answered Sunday when when Will brought it up, the same way I answered earlier. Whichever decision the coaches make, I'm gonna trust them right now. They're just making all the right moves, and it's weird. It's really weird to feel that way because it's been so long since you felt like coaches. We're in control. Had you know, they had all the they were making all the right decisions. They were making good calls. They were had a good game plan. They were coaching players up. And from what I've seen the past, at least for this past four weeks, 
I'm willing to say whichever one they decide, it's uh, I'm fine with. Well, you know, talking about the whole Fromm Eason thing, uh, if you look at Fromm, and he only has a small sample size of four games, but there aren't many people making excuses for his poor decisions, the few that he makes per game. Think about last year. We were we kept saying, like, well, Eason, he played in Washington. He played in a spread formation. He didn't play the competition. We were kind of building him up and building him up to our listeners and building him up to ourselves. Like, it's okay. He's just a true freshman. He's going to learn. And if I think back to 2006 when Matthew Stafford was a freshman, it was kind of the same thing. He was overthrowing receivers all over the place. I remember when he came into that South Carolina game in Columbia. Uh, I think we won the game, like some weird score, like 18 to 17 or 18 or nothing. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't even know what the score was. But he was all over the place. And that, that feels like an 11 or game. Yeah, something like that. Absolutely. And but yet, Prom doesn't feel that way. And yes, it's only four games. He's four and zero. He hasn't been asked to do too much, but maybe he's got that little extra something. People have said he did. Shoot, he hit a home run in the Little League World Series. Not a lot of other people can claim they did that. He might just be a gamer. And uh, that's why I say keep with the hot hand unless he gives you a definite reason to pull him. I mean, I'm definitely in the camp to where I'm sorry. I like Jacob Eason. I hope nothing goes bad in his uh, career. I mean, he's a, he's a dog. He's a damn good dog. But I just can't see how you change quarterbacks at this point in the season. Well, first off, I, I, I put Chad on the uh, Chad on the research. It was 18 nothing on that 2006 game. But I think there are two things you want to be careful about making the comparisons between Easton last year and Fromm this year. Uh, first off, Fromm's offensive line is substantively better. Um, consequently, the running game is better. Um, second off, Fromm has a much, much better defense, putting him in situations where there's less pressure on what he has to do. Um, I mean, think about it. You never felt, and, and <laughs> we can talk about punting too, for that matter. You never felt like there was going to come a situation, um, even in Notre Dame, it never felt like a situation where the game was going to be put on Fromm's shoulders. Um, and it was put on Easton's shoulders three times last year. Fromm uh, had to make those throws to get him in the field goal range, well, no, like no, the no, one to Ridley. Not, yeah, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Fromm wasn't a contributor to each of the wins what i'm saying is is that it didn't come down to what does from going to do here it never felt that way to me it felt like right. you know, it was it was a it was a total offensive effort uh last year it really did feel like there were times where you know what are we going to ask jacob easton to do here now i say all that to say that there's you have to be careful about comparing the two i don't think there's any doubt that from has you know eyeball wise looked better looked more comfortable and has uh performed in a way that makes you think that if you didn't you didn't know, especially as he has progressed in the past four games, doesn't necessarily look like a true freshman. Those are very good points. I will take those into consideration on my from love that I'm giving out. But um, but yeah, well, I still well, thank you. I'm, thank you. I'm still going to stick by my opinion. I mean, I'm, somebody in these in the in this world has to have uh, strong opinions and stick with them instead of being wishy washy. So I'm going to stick to mine despite. The very good evidence you just proved, basically kind of poking a lot of holes in my uh, my confidence, but I'm going to stick with it. Well, Scott, much like Vice uh, former boss used to say, you're, you might not always be right, you're always sure. Yes, I am sure about that. So um, my next question to you was, paint the scenario, I'm going to get a little dark here, paint the scenario, the path to victory for Tennessee. Maybe there's one, only one, maybe there's a couple, but you, you've been pretty good in the past of mapping that out. And so what would be the one or maybe two scenarios 
not nothing crazy like you know the turf starts injuring players oh wait that's happened before yeah so what's the what's your path to victory for tennessee um, i think the path of victory for tennessee runs through us not taking care of the ball um whether that's from interceptions or fumbles um you know we I, I it's hard to of course it was hard to imagine last week mississippi state not scoring points it's hard to imagine where tennessee is going to be able to um on it you know when i say honestly put together long drives multiple long drives that result in seven points it's hard to see that happening considering how stagnant they looked against um <laughs> umass last week or florida uh, the week before um you know we know they can score points they put 40 something up against Georgia tech they put 40 something up against indiana state but though, i think those are two very different defensive schemes and teams when you sit down and look at it, i think the path to victory for tennessee is Georgia having that game where things really go wrong. I mean, we had a game like that. Uh, was it Notre Dame? Well, I think I think Notre Dame is, is not a bad example. I was thinking two years ago against Vanderbilt where we went against a Vanderbilt team with just every single thing that could possibly happen went poorly. And there was a, you know, there was a terrible uh, call. I'm sorry, three years ago up there. Uh, there was a terrible, maybe it was Ramik Wilson picked up a targeting call. Yes, all name. yes. Um, what was just a regular, ordinary play across the middle, the game change of play. Ray Drew picked up a targeting call early in the game. We fumbled the ball, I want to say, three times. And lost to a team, frankly, that we had no business losing to. I mean, that can happen. If we, and when I say we, meaning um, we as fans, uh, have any hope of Georgia being what it looks like we could be for the, over the first four games, we're going to have to find a way to win a game where we do that. And it's going to happen at some point. You know, you kind of, I, I say this tongue in cheek, considering what happened last year with Nickel State or maybe even Vanderbilt. Uh, you, you hope that happens against a team that talent wins out. Tennessee's a talented football team. We're not going to, I mean, we are more, I think we are more talented to them um, through, you know, all 85 players. But, and of course, the first line, we're not terribly that much more talented than them. Um, so if you get in a situation where you're putting yourself behind the eight ball, either through turnovers, dumb mistakes, um, the, the turf monster, whatever you want to call it, um, that's the path to victory for Tennessee. So do you want to make uh, predictions on the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you sit down and look at it, you try to be objective about it. It's not hard to see that George is a, um, a, a fair amount better as a football team. Um, they've, they've played better. They've looked better. Um, I don't think it's hard to see a situation where Georgia wins this game somewhere in the neighborhood of, I mean, putting a number out there, 30, 31-20, 31-17. You know, I think the range of possibilities are much what we saw last week all the way to Georgia losing the game by seven. Uh, but, you know, 31, the Georgia win by 10 or 11 seems right. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think that you can get too cute on this prediction. I mean, I'm sure people would, would probably have a wide variety of predictions of, you know, Georgia stomping them, you know, 31 nothing or, you know, similar to last week. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be something, uh, you know, in the range of like 30 to 17, something close. And then Georgia kind of pulls away. You know, I would not be surprised to see Tennessee leading at halftime and grumpy Kirby coming off the field for the CBS interview and everything. And then we're all, we're all nervous and then, you know, kind of have an easy third or fourth quarter. I could completely see that, you know, where they kind of bring it together. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's going to be just your typical SEC better team wins in the end. And it's, it, you look at the final score and it's just, it didn't seem that close. 
Yeah, I think the real difference is going to be which team scores touchdown, which team is att- are attempting field goals. You know, Georgia this season, I've been tracking this, Georgia has only given up a, a few long drives for touchdowns. Um, you know, we're top. Have you been tracking that, or is this Chapel Bell Curb been no, tracking I've, that? No, I have actually been tracking. I have a, I have a Google Docs. <laughs> Uh, Google Docs, where I have been tracking that specific thing. As a matter of fact, you bring it up, I can look right now. But the the thing that is that stands out to me is that we haven't been in a situation where we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, Blankenship has been very has been very good. Um, has looked has looked great. Has been in a situation where. We're just doing really good things, but I don't want to put the game on him. I think we need to continue to score touchdowns. We're given the opportunity to score touchdowns. Again, we're in a situation where those points are going to the, those points are going to matter uh, at some point. It's going to be a situation where we can't overcome it if we don't if we're not scoring points. Yeah, I mean, you got to score points to win the game. That's I should put that as the cold open right there. Well, I mean, that, that's just. <laughs> you no, know, I didn't mean I didn't mean to come off as uh, I mean to come off as like, hey, radio interview guy. You know, I guess that kind of gets back to the the path to victory for Tennessee. Tennessee puts us in a situation where we're putting the game in Blankenship's hands. We have the defense to to make him look like Billy Bennett. I just don't like it. Yeah. So is it next year? I think it would be next year for, I, and I can't take credit for this. Someone, someone tweeted this that's a whole lot more, or a, I was about to say a whole lot more smarter. That's not correct. A whole lot smarter than me. They said the holy trinity next year would be for Georgia to beat Florida on a Hail Mary and then it would be completed with all, all three teams beating somebody on a Hail Mary, a last minute Hail Mary. I don't know why I brought that up, but I'd had that in my notes to bring up. So I figured right now is the most opportune time to do that. Hey, and you did. <laughs> I did. I went ahead and ran with it. So do you have the picks for the SEC and the national games of the week? I do. Let's do some fun office pool stuff right here. Should um, we also pick for what let, – let's also pick what Will would pick. Yes, I think we should pick what Will would pick, but um, I think we should just make it up for him. He's clearly going to pick Nebraska against uh, Illinois. Yeah, it seems like a foregone conclusion. Um, so Will picks Nebraska? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Will picks Nebraska. So speaking of our pool, I ran into UGA Carey. She came over and said hello to the wife and I at the football game. Um, if you follow my Twitter feed, you saw that. And Bernie Dog came by to say hello. Um, you know, I've never met Bernie Dog, but I feel like I know him. He's a real person. It's, it's a real thing. Um, <laughs> so looking at our standings for the season, though, I want to give a little shout-out here to Go Dogs 1971 who is currently sporting a – Four-point lead on Out Langford. Um, some cool names up top, Bibbidi Boppity Boop, Bobo, John B. Crow, Planter Dogs. That's our top five. Um, I don't think – I also have to give a shout-out to number 13. To be clear, these are actually guesses. I assume that's you. No, me? Yeah. No, but, I'm I'm like 185 or something like that. Oh. I remember I, I always forget to put my confidence picks in. <laughs> uh, well, I am currently um, – 60th so i'm pretty happy with that all right let's do some picks yes and we have three friday night games by the way so please get this up quickly i right, recording this monday afternoon should be a problem to have it out tuesday morning. <laughs> uh, right right <laughs> uh first off my, mark rick takes his fighting miami hurricanes to duke two undefeated acc teams are they in the same division or are they atlantic atlantic or coastal do you have any idea gotta be honest i don't know don't care 
even though Duke uh, surprised me, I think when they just put it on Baylor a couple weeks ago, and ba- Baylor's no good, but still, the, to see Duke win, you can't forget the fact that David Cutcliffe has been their coach for quite some time and is a very good coach. However, having said that, I think Miami and Mark Rick win. Let's make it a close game, 14-13. to 13. I'm going to pick Duke here. I, I like the I like the Dukies at home. Don't really know why. I mean, Duke has played nobody, even though the win at Baylor looks much better uh, now that Baylor has done what they did to scare in Oklahoma. Um, and I think Will's going to pick Mark Rick uh, every time. So Will's going to pick Miami, right? Yeah, he would. He's another, he would throw. He would put a big word in there, so one that we'd have to define. Yeah, um, com, combustulation or something. That's right. Um, yeah. All right, continuing on Friday night, Nebraska at Illinois. Will's going to be at this game. Let's assume that Will has talked about Illinois for a minute, so all of you have gotten a minute back. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still picking Nebraska. I'm going to go with Illinois because every time uh, Will brings up Illinois, I try to – act like I have his back and I really care about Illinois. But I've, I've said in the past that Illinois is one of the most forgettable Big Ten teams on the planet. I think Will wouldn't want to forget them after after this season. They're they're probably not going to be very good. Although 2-1 and one is a better start than they thought. That's right. Uh, so our last Friday night game, Southern Cal, number 5, Washington State, number 16. That game oh. is in Pullman. That has a lot of Pac-12 after dark awesomeness uh, to it. I'm still picking Southern Cal because I picked them to be one of my, my college football playoff teams, but that's very that's a very pointy game, man. Southern Cal almost lost to Western Michigan in the very first week of the season, and Washington State is a whole lot better than Western Michigan, and they have to go to something called Pullman, Washington. So I'm going to go with the upset and pick the Pirate over USC. Yeah, I think I think Will probably picks Washington State because he's a noted Southern Cal hater. North Carolina, Georgia Tech, noon kickoff. That game is played at Mark Rick Bobby Dodd Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I just can't pick anybody but Tech in that game. Yeah, North Carolina is not what they thought they were at the beginning of last year. I'm not sure Larry Fedora has much more time there. You know, I don't know if it's really that the administration is going to get rid of him. He might just get tired of coaching North Carolina. I don't know. They lost Switzer. They lost uh, Trubisky. They don't really have much in the coffers. I think Tech rolls in this game. All right, Vanderbilt, fresh off of winning Bama, travels to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium to take on the Florida Gators. Your two and one Florida Gators. Your have won the last second Florida Gators. So, are we picking the Gators here? No, no, I'm picking Vanderbilt on this game. It's got a, it's the street, and plus they just had all that the the rests and. You know, Callaway's not coming back, and neither is uh, Scarlett. He's not ever going to be back, and they've just got a lot of mess down there. I, I think that uh, all their mojo kind of runs out. I bet Florida wishes they had waited to today to announce all that stuff, right? What, so it wouldn't be on our podcast? Well, so, uh, oh, that's right. You're not a college basketball fan. So the FBI brought no. the hammer down on college basketball today. It was bad. Oh, I saw something. I saw I saw Auburn was mentioned, and it didn't surprise you because Bruce Pearl's down there. Yeah, Chuck Person was arrested, who's their associate head coach, by the FBI. Wait, Chuck Chuck Person? That Chuck Person, yes. He the was rifleman? Arrested. That's right. He was arrested by the FBI. The feds, wow. the federalities came to his house and put him in the back of a black suburban and took him off somewhere. So, wow. Yeah. I'm doing that. I'm picking Vandy. Will, who would Will pick? He'd pick oh, Florida. Yeah, he'd pick Florida. After a 59 nothing okay. Panson, yeah. All right, two ACC teams face. One's 0-2. One's 4-0. Oh. 
Which one's Wake Forest? I'm going to say that they're undefeated because if you remember last week, they had one of the highest margins of victory in the NCAA. They did. However, that came crashing back to earth. They only won by one point against Appalachian State. However, that was 20 to 19. That's a good score for Georgia. Um, I'm still picking Florida State in this game. Yeah, there's no way Florida State goes to 0-3, and it's crazy to think that they've only played two games. And I, I don't mean to laugh. I know they've been going through tough times down there, but uh, but yeah, I think Florida State wins this game. Mississippi State goes on the road versus Auburn. Oh, I, we're, Will's going to pick Florida State there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Auburn. Uh, coming off Mississippi State coming off a a very disheartening loss. Auburn uh, playing everybody's favorite get right team, Missouri, last week. I am going to say that Mississippi State's going to have quite a hangover. I don't think Auburn is as bad as everybody is making them out to be. I think that they're kind of finding their – they're doing what Auburn does. They kind of are finding their footing. And as long as nobody gets injured, I think they're going to be okay and pretty daggum scary when Georgia ends up playing them. I'd say Auburn wins. I think Auburn wins, but I also think that they win in a way that Mississippi State makes uh, makes the win last week for Georgia look a little better. And Will picks Auburn. Yeah. South Carolina, Texas A&M. Texas A&M suddenly looks like a whole different team after that uh, overtime win, the way they came back in against Arkansas, right? Yeah, and to think that if they hadn't just blown it, I mean, absolutely, I've never seen a team blow a lead. Oh, wait a minute, I have. But they made me feel better about the Falcons. It's too soon. Yeah, I know, I know, too soon. But, yeah, no, they're, I mean, someone had a rough start to the season, but he can absolutely get right. He has everything, they're in control of everything so far. They, you know, losing to UCLA, you know, that was just a blip on the radar screen. South Carolina lost Debo Samuel. He's really their only, their singular playmaker. I think A&M comes in there and has a get-right game against uh, the Gamecocks. Yeah, I think A&M's going to extend the West over the East uh, metaphor kind of talking point thing by just ram-hammering them. And, you know, Will's going to pick South Carolina because he's contrarian. That's right. Uh, yeah. So Clemson travels to Virginia Tech, 2 4 no teams, number two versus number 12. This is the most interesting game of the week to me, um, outside of the Georgia game. Uh, Virginia Tech has looked really, really, really good. Um, you know, they've, they've blanked a couple of teams they should have blanked. They beat East Carolina by 40 something. They beat West Virginia on the, uh, that beginning game of the season in a thriller. Um, Clemson is a good ball team. Let's not be, let's not confuse ourselves. Boston College was hanging around with them until late in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm taking Virginia Tech to win at home. Yeah, I, th- I really like what Justin Fuente is doing up in Virginia Tech. Even though the game's not at Bristol, do they still do that? They play every year at Bristol? <laughs> no, that, that was uh, I'm joking. That was, I'm a, joking. that was a one-time thing. I think this one's at Martinsville. <laughs> there we go. That'd be the, is that the road course? Uh, no, no Mar- that's, uh, Martinsville is not the road that's course. That's Watkins Glen. Yeah, Watkins, Watkins Glen is yeah. the road course. Yeah. There we go. And there's your NASCAR 30 seconds. <laughs> Which is why um, we shouldn't talk about NASCAR. We should not. We should barely talk about college football, but we definitely shouldn't talk about NASCAR. Yeah, we lean into um, that. I think Virginia Tech wins this game. Uh, I think Clemson will probably – this will not affect Clemson. They'll still win the ACC, and they'll still play in the college football playoff, but this is their one loss. Wow, that is uh, – that's really interesting. I'm taking taking Virginia Tech. I, I like what they like what they're bringing, but uh, that's a, that's a, it's going to be a tough game. All right, Mississippi. Will picks Clemson. Yes, he does, because he's a he's a front runner. Mississippi versus Alabama. The fighting Rebel Bears travel to Tuscaloosa. 
Yeah, there's no chance they make it through in a row, right? No. Yeah, I think the Alabama's starting to feel it a little bit. I don't think anybody in Mississippi said how much they have stuff for Alabama. Um, I don't think they said they wanted Bama. I don't think uh, Mississippi's interim head coaches made comments that they think they'll have something for Alabama. So Alabama won't win fifty-nine to nothing, but I still think they uh, they take it to town. Yeah, they they let Ole Miss down easy. They feel bad for him. They feel sorry for him. It'll be an easy thirty-one point victory. Yeah, they whisper to him softly before they shoot him in the head. <laughs> That's what happens. It's like a mice and men with Lenny seeing the rabbits or something. <laughs> Wow, we worked in a mice and men reference, and Will's not even here. Well, that maybe maybe that was what Will's Will picked Alabama, and he worked in a mice and men reference. That actually makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, we get to taste a, a road game. We're playing. Uh, we're playing during the day. It's a good thing Jeremy Pruitt insisted on that fake uh, artificial sun be put in the in, indoor practice facility. Uh, hopefully, that pays <laughs> off this week. Um, but. I'm excited about this week, and and you know I'm I'm having the standard amount of trepidation about having to travel to Knoxville to play the Volunteers because of what's happened in the past. But hopefully this is another one of those games where when I sit down and talk to Dr. Goldstein about how I feel about the dogs, I'm not going to have another data point about why he thinks I probably should be committed. You go to a Dr. Goldstein for your commitment or your problems with uh, the dogs, or is that just uh, well, radio? We, we talk, we talk, I talked to Dr. Goldstein about many, many things, mostly about Georgia. Let me ask you this. Is Dr. Goldstein uh, in the same form as Chad is? <laughs> you know, it's really hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How many other imaginary friends do you have, Tony? Well, I have, I have Harvey Rabbit. And uh, <laughs> all right, uh, that's probably enough. Uh, yeah, so Will, we missed you. We're glad we were able to invoke your uh, spirit in this podcast. And uh, I guess to all of you listeners, thanks for hanging in with us. And uh, we hope to be all together again in our new studio uh, once I get it soundproof because uh, this this might have been a little bit echoey because I have no uh, carpet in here and I have no. Well, I mean, there's floors. This is not carpeted, and I don't have anything over the windows, so it's a little echoey. But um, looking forward to having y'all in the new studio. Yeah, and I can confirm because uh, I'm I'm bad at Skype. I actually put Scott on a video call. It look his new house looks beautiful. At least the uh, the back wall I can see behind him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, you want to end this thing? You want to end it softly, or you want to go out with the bang? <laughs> well, you know, I think there's only one thing left to say, and that's go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Do you agree with our assessment on the future quarterback situation in Georgia, or did one of us get it all wrong in your opinion? Feel free to share yours with us by tweeting at our show at WSLS Podcast on Twitter. Make sure to get your selections in for our college football pick'em contest over at funofficepools.com. There are three Friday night games for week five of the college football season, so just a quick heads up. If you consume our podcast via iTunes, please consider leaving us a rating and review, and subscribe while you're there as well. Ratings, reviews, and subscriptions help boost our overall profile, and even though it doesn't make us a dime in revenue, it does help with the discovery for searches and rankings. So if you like our show, taking a few minutes to do that can make quite an impact on our discoverability. The three of us will be back on Monday morning with our Georgia-Tennessee postgame show, so make sure to keep an eye and ear out for that. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week. For all of you road dogs traveling up to Knoxville, safe travels to you, and we'll see you on campus very soon. Go dogs!